I think that's a really good take home to be thinking about um, I guess what our teams think when we call them. What are they? What's that response when when they see your name come up on their phone? What are they thinking? Is it just do they they want something from me, or is it that this person is actually genuinely caring? This is the Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts and influencers, the dreamers and the doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond and create. Well, it's so good to be back with you on season two of the Hillsong Creative Podcast. We've had a great few weeks and we've received so much positive feedback about season one. So thank you so much for listening and for being a part of season one. In season two, we're introducing a new segment called the Creative Compass, where we explore some of the key values that we have and that we're exploring as a creative team here in Sydney, Australia. And I hope that they really help you as you explore your key values personally and perhaps as your ministry or as your work. So that's the Creative Compass and that'll be coming up after the interview. So stick around for that. But right now we're going to jump into the interview and you'll see it's a little bit different to normal and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. So Let's jump straight in. Hey, welcome to the Hillsong Creative Podcast. My name is Mush, and today we've got the voice of the Hillsong Creative Podcast. You may have <laughs> heard him on previous episodes, Rich Langton. Thank you and welcome. This is pretty fun, hey? This is very strange. The uh, the shoes on the other foot. Yes, it is. Yeah. I'm actually really, really excited about this. This will be fun. I get to actually kind of put some questions to you. I get to kind of Just be, go easy in. on me. Yeah. Well, it's good though. <laughs> it, really, it really is good. I'm actually quite mm. intrigued and quite, quite love the fact that I get to have this conversation with you. Anyway, you and Cass lead our team and passed our team with your focus being here in Australia. Yeah. But I guess maybe what our listeners may not know is that you have a your background all the on the way to this current role has taken you know taken you to all sorts of places. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I mean, as a as a an, a young adult, um, when I left high school, I thought I would probably do. I get, my, my dream in life was to leave school, start my own business of some sort, probably become an industrial designer and with the end goal of buying a Porsche. That was, that was like the trajectory that I thought I was heading along. And I left school and uh, went down that path, I guess, started studying that, you know, arts and, and the like. And, um, and God arrested me when I was about 18 and really called me to the ministry. That, that I, it was very clear that I should be pastoring. What do you, okay, what do you mean? Because it's not, I mean, having the dreams and the hopes and dreams as a young person, that's part of what we encourage. Mm-hmm. So when you say God arrested you, what did that look like? Yeah, I think that um, at that time, for whatever reason, I guess it's the grace of God for, for me, but I just started seeking God more. And, and really alongside, I guess, my career tra- trajectory, um, I was seeking God more personally in, in my own time and, you know, in, my, uh, in the rest of my time. And, um, and I, at that point, um, I don't know, it just was, was God was um, very clearly, he was evident, evident in my life. Right, um, right. And I think 
during that time, the Toronto blessing was happening, um, which was a pretty, right. for me, I grew up in a Baptist church and that was not something that, that was going to be part of my world, but that was sort of happening there. Um, John Wimber came to Australia and Cass and I ended up going to a, a John Win- Wimber conference, which was radically, um, right. you know, that radically changed our my life and yeah, right. Cass's life as well. And as well, my parents, um, they had gone away, they went on a, an alpha weekend, um, learning how to teach the alpha course. And they, there was the Holy Spirit um, session at this course. And they went away to this camp and came back just completely different people. They, right. they were Christians. I grew up in a sure. real strong Christian family, but they came away with this deeper understanding of who God was. And so if, that was confronting for me. So when I saw them come back, I was like, they know they know something, something of God right. that I don't know, right, right, right. and it freaked me out a bit. <laughs> but at the same time, I wanted more of God, and so I guess I started seeking more right. of who he who he is, right. and and the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit, and how does he work, and how does he speak? And really dived into the scriptures and and tried to find out. Right, and um, I think through the course of that, therefore, my desire for you know, a Porsche (laughs) and the things of the world became less and and my desire to know who God was and to serve him became more. And so that then therefore sort of translated into eventually going to Bible college and studying and and heading in the direction of pastoring. So you, so that's quite a few experiences in there and everything kind of, it feels like it was a bit of a one thing led to the other and everything, which is great. Now my question to you then is, so you had those kind of, in a sense, life events, if you want to call them that, that I guess are somewhat milestones, mm-hmm. plus everything else that came from that. Now, to this day, when you're sitting here, yes, can you see the cumulative effect of everything all the way back to um, I can. You know, yeah. wanting to have the Porsche? And, and that's what, like <laughs> yeah. all the way to here, mm. have, have you seen the cumulative effect of everything? Can you yeah. sit here and look back and see an explanation? Not an explanation, but I guess the effect of it all? I, yeah, I certainly can. I think that, you know, I guess that what I've told of the story is the early part. Yeah. Um, when Cass and I got married, which was soon after the story that I've just told, I felt that um, the next step would be to move from Melbourne where we grew up to Sydney yeah. and become part of Hillsong Church. And I thought that I would be the next sort of um, shooting star, if you like. Oh, wow. Pastor Brian would see me and I'd be on staff straight away <laughs> and I'd be pastoring and leading right. and preaching and all of that. In reality, the journey from arriving here to me becoming someone on staff and pastoring in a you know a full time capacity was a lot of years, and so then I went on this whole journey of of running my own businesses and doing some of the things that I thought I would be doing, but just not with the direction or the with the intent that I thought I would have. So my intent was to to support my family and to earn a living so that I could volunteer at church, so that I could build the kingdom, so that I could be a part of church. Um, but in that, that was such a journey because yeah. at the time, you know, a, a few years, I here's the real story. Yeah, go. Was, <laughs> um, you know, I had a few key pastors that I looked to who had planted churches in their in their 20s or, you know, even 30. That 25-year mark was a milestone for me. I'm like, I need to be in ministry by the time I'm 25. Right. And 25 came and went and then 30 came and went. And so then years and years passed and I started to realise that maybe life was going to look different to to what I thought. Yeah. And maybe even pastoring, maybe even ministry is different to what I thought. Right. Um, right. And so a lot of years I questioned 
my role in you know in the church, my role on staff or not on staff, my role in, in the team, and even I guess Cass's trajectory. She um, when we first arrived here at, at church, she um, soon became employed and, and ran the events department yeah, for right. some years and all of that. So comparatively, my <laughs> Where I thought I was heading and where I thought, you know, and where she actually was heading, we were sort of on different, I guess, same direction, but different journeys. Yeah, right. And that was, that was easy for me to compare and, and all of that. And therefore, sorry to answer yeah, no, your no, actual good, question. Good, I like it, yeah. It's now that I look back that I see uh, running a small business and being having to give good customer service and care for <laughs> yeah. people and all of those There's sorts of things. right? They're all really useful yeah. and majority of our team are not on staff. Majority yeah. of our team have actual jobs that they go to midweek and I can relate to them. I know some of what that is now because of the experiences that I've had, but it, but I didn't realise that those experiences when I was having them yeah. would be so important. Which is going to be my next question is like in those seasons of running the business and everything else that looked at on the way to here, mm-hmm. How much sense did they make in the season? And how certain were you that in the season, this was where you needed to be and this is where God had you? Yeah. How certain were you? And I'm looking back now, I know you can see it and the trail is there, it's the trajectory leads mm. here, it's all great. But in the season, yeah. what does it look like? I think that I would go in and out of um, really sort of... The certainty. Yeah, yeah. the certainty, <laughs> the levels of faith. Yeah. Um, if I'm honest, most of the time I was really questioning, not questioning who God was or whatnot, but just questioning my place in it all and and the circumstances that he was taking me through. Now I, I guess I've matured a little bit and I can look back and realise that they're real important and and I can see the reason for them. Yeah. Never did I question who God was or my relationship right. with him. It was more just trying to understand how life works. Yeah. I was, I was even thinking about it just as I was coming here this morning that the whole idea of being content um, that Paul talks about in yeah. Philippians, um, having a lot or having not a lot, being where you think you should be or not being where you think you should be, it's really important to realise that God has you and be content in in the circumstances that he has you in yeah. and sort of work through, I guess I'm learning or have learnt, well, both <laughs> have learnt and am learning to uh, not not be striving to be somewhere else, but be just grateful for for the opportunity to be part of the kingdom, really, yeah. and for the part I get to play with the people I get to yeah, uh, right. influence, those who are around me. Right. Um, and there's always people around you. You know, there's always um, someone to speak encouragement to or to, yeah. to share the gospel with or, yes. or the like. So, yeah, life can, can look however, so then- but... God okay, has so that's interesting because I would imagine people would find themselves in some variation of that, that in-between season between I know what God's called me to do and I have it in my heart and here I am. Speak to the person who has heard the voice of God and I guess would say, I have a dream, I have something I want to do with my world, I want to commit my efforts to building this kingdom in whatever way, mm. within the church within the church, and with in all whatever industry they find themselves in. Mm. What should they be looking for? What practical, I guess, efforts should they be making in this in-between season that may be hazy, that may be <laughs> uncertain? Mm. Speak to them. I was like, what would you tell that person? For me, I think probably the the idea of faithfulness um, that's what comes to mind. That's what I. That's what I think of straight away. Yeah. Is is that I would encourage people to be faithful, to just trust God that He has them, and and be faithful in the in the circumstances they find themselves. And 
I guess alongside that, I would encourage people to be um, self-assessing and sort of learning because for myself, I think uh, um, throughout the years, I don't know if I've done enough sort of um, due diligence in that area as in really seeking other people's wise counsel and input. Yeah, right. I would try to be so, uh, independent <laughs> and and think that I know myself, think that I know my goals, think that I know my dreams and therefore that's all that counts. Yeah, right. And, and reality is sometimes we don't know ourselves or we, we have blind spots yeah. and we can't see see what other people can see. You know, for example, I thought I was, the, uh, like I said, the, the person that Pastor Brian would just see and I had all this, the right skill set um, and in reality I'm I'm probably not as gifted towards some of the things I thought I was gifted to and right. I'm much more gifted to to perhaps pastoring people one-on-one yeah, or right. in smaller groups or right. off the platform even and and I can do those things really well but they're not necessarily the things that I valued as a younger person. Right. So there's that, that whole thing of just working through who are you really and what are you gifted to do actually and, and are, we, are we comfortable with that? Yeah. There's things you can always grow, you can always learn new skills, all yeah. of that, but but there's there's certain things or certain characteristics about you yes. that I think we have to be comfortable with and, yeah. and embrace. Even. Exactly right. Um, I think the idea of calling is also important. Right. And uh, I went back to the scriptures and looked at calling, the idea of calling, mm. because I think oftentimes we associate our calling with our vocation with oh, uh, our job right. and the reality is I think the scriptures on the whole, maybe only in one occasion it talks differently than, than what I'm about to say, but, but on the whole, for example, Jesus does the calling. Um, uh, Jesus calls his disciples and they follow and so it's that aspect of um, call and response. So calling is somebody's doing a calling and somebody's doing a responding Jesus calls us and we respond. And I, th- I think that's more to do with um, the gospel, receiving the gospel, right. outworking the gospel, more about living the gospel than it is about how we do that or where we do that. So for lots of people, they, their calling is to live out the gospel in a, a workplace somewhere that's, you know, a secular workplace. It, so the aspect of calling there is the same as the person who's on staff outworking the calling, the gospel on staff at a church. So independent of where we find ourselves, we can all be faithful to the call of Jesus to outwork the gospel. So if I meet a non-Christian, I can share the gospel just like the person who's an architect or a graphic designer or a painter, you know, they, they might also be able to paint um, the gospel um, or, or, you know, whatever. But sometimes we think, oh, my calling is to do a certain thing. So I could have said back in the day, my calling is to be an industrial designer. But I think that that sort of cuts short what what real calling is. Depth of what actually calling is. Uh If we can take it to another level, another level of depth um, and see our calling as living for Jesus, outworking the gospel wherever we find ourselves, then it takes the pressure off trying to find the one thing that we're meant to do with our lives. Because I think the one thing we're meant to do with our lives is serve Jesus, that's make him known. Right. That's my revelation. No, that's very <laughs> um, interesting. And I think, I think that's what the gospel says. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I think that 
now looking back on my journey, I, I'm grateful because I feel like I can relate to a lot of different people and a lot of different right. places that they find themselves. Okay. So I've studied at Bible college. I've studied at university. I've studied at, at like a TAFE course. I've, you know, I've, I've worked in business. I've worked, I've been employed. I've been self-employed, all of that. So, and I've experienced the gamut of even um, highs and lows of life. Yeah. Um, so from a, I guess an experience perspective. I feel like I've done, you know, I've done a lot, a lot that, that can yeah. relate to pe- that that help me to relate to people. But the reality is, I think that we're all on the same journey as far as day by day growing in our relationship with with Christ. Right. And I think that that's something that you don't graduate from. Right. And so I, I guess I, my perspective is we do that alongside the people in our team, um, both our staff team and our volunteer. Team and my encouragement to them, and and I, you know, alongside Cass, our encouragement is first and foremost to be encouraging our our volunteers to be loving Jesus and putting Him first, and to be seeking Him with all their heart, and to be stepping out more and more in in doing that. Um, and then after that, um, we can talk about you know their their contribution to the team or their you know how they outwork their, yeah the activities their, of exactly yeah, of team yeah. So then. Okay, you strike me, in the years I've known you, you strike me as somebody who's incredibly perceptive. Now, there may be a gift, there may be something you've developed, or maybe a combination of both. In light of that, let's talk about culture. First of all, what does healthy culture look like? And what are the things you're looking at to give you, in a sense, to give you a pulse on where the culture is at? Because Mm. you lead a team that is across the country mm. and you live in Sydney, but somehow you're still responsible for the, for the pulse and the, and the health and the culture of our team. Mm. How, what does it look like? <laughs> what are you looking for? What are you, what are the things that you're taking note of? I think that you have to be mindful of the conversations you're having and the conversations happen from relationship. People will tell you all sorts of things. They'll tell you where, where they really are at if they're in true relationship with you. And I, I guess I notice, I look around and I see a lot of leaders leading, but they lead from a place of being out front and not looking back to who's following. And, and right. you know, they, there's that funny thing where um, if you're a leader and you turn around and no one's following, then you're not a leader. <laughs> yeah, um, fair enough. <laughs> but but it, as leaders, I think we do need to turn around and look at the people who are following yeah. and actually see how they're following and, and be in relationship with them as they follow. Yeah. Um, and so I guess my heart is to not just be the, the person out front doing that, but to be with, with our team, with our people and be in true relationship. So, so I, want, I want our people to know I love them and I'll do anything for them and I wouldn't just expect them to do something I'm not prepared to do myself. And in that, I think there's, there can be a, an authentic you know, not an authentic, but authentic conversation yeah. can happen and the reality of where people are at can come out. Yeah. And and when that happens, you, you can get the tone of the culture because sure. you can hear the tone of the conversation. Yes. And so people are either negative or positive. They're either like on top and rising or they're under the weight of everything that they're carrying. And you can tell that for, through the conversation. Okay. So example, I've taken the pulse of the team. We're not doing well. We're, we, we, no, 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 I'm just, we're not doing well. Mm-hmm. The, um, we need resuscitation, so to speak. The part like it's not healthy. Yeah. Where do you start? I think probably a couple of places I would start would be with my key leaders. Yeah. Making sure that they are okay and that they're 
um, they're not the problem. Yeah, fair. <laughs> well, probably reality, thinking back a step, I would probably look at myself, make sure that I'm right. okay. Right. There's been a couple of times, even recently, where I've realised that my tone in my language has been a bit, not necessarily negative, but just not positive and not not uplifting and forward forward thinking. And I've realised right. that that has an effect. Um, so I'd start with myself, and then I'd then I'd look at my key leaders and yeah. look at how they're approaching life, whether they're even whether they're okay, because people don't they don't want to not be um, doing well. They don't they don't want to be negative. They don't want to be pulling down the team. They want they want to be doing well. Yeah. Um, so I think we have to look at what's behind. You know, if someone's not doing okay or it's they're reasons. being negative, there's right. going to be a reason for that. Um, and alongside of that, we we have team nights every week, and we have prayer meetings before every every service. And I would I would address those bigger picture things and and those culture kind of things at those at team night yeah. and at, at prayer meetings. And I would just be quite I think quite upfront about about the things we want to tackle, yeah. and not not in a negative, not saying oh we're not this, but be saying we are this, whatever, you know, yeah. whatever the issues are. Yeah. Um, so we are moving forward. We are positive. We are serving Pastor Brian and Bobby. We are, you know, yeah. part of the part of the solution, not part of the problem, et cetera. So, okay, then talk to us about the difficult conversation. So you've taken, you know, you've done a bit of a stock take. You've identified maybe one, two, three areas you want to address. And Mush, some, you're asking me hard questions. I know. This is, I told you this is more, <laughs> this may, I'm taking notes here for yeah. myself too. But, you know, you know, seriously though, like, because, so you've done the stock take, you've mm. realized one, two, three, four areas that maybe you want to address. Yeah. And some of them involve addressing maybe someone directly. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about what that looks like, because mm. Like you said, these are people who are on your team and, and you've already declared the fact that you value them. Yeah. But then you have to go back and have a difficult conversation. Yes. Yeah. Now what? I feel like in our team, I'm the guy that often has to have the difficult conversation. Yeah, but the interesting thing is <laughs> so. I would still say that you do it so graciously. <laughs> you know, but so I want to know, what, that's why I'm asking because mm. it's not you, even I, though you do it well, you don't have the reputation of the guy with the, the stick rocking around waiting. To, right. What does that look yeah. like and how do you achieve that? Mm. I hope that, like I said before, I hope that our people, volunteers and staff, everybody, I hope they know that I, that I value them and I do love them, and that's yeah. genuine. It's not it's not just you know language or just not just rhetoric. It's it's real, and um, and so f- from the get go, I, I hope that before the problem arises. I'm inputting enough and showing that enough that when the problem arises, they know that whoever it is, if, if there's a difficult conversation, they know that I'm going to approach it. Um, well, that I'm a, I'm not doing it because uh, because I don't like them. It's because I love them and I want the best for them and for the team. So, so when we have those conversations, um, I guess that would be my approach. And then within that. My approach would never be with with a stick or with trying to wield some sort of power or anything like that. It's more um, my genuine approach is that that I want the best for the person. So if there's a if there's something that they can't see, like a blind spot or a, some sort of activity that that they're engaged in that that really isn't becoming to you know someone who's who's portraying to be a Christian and portraying to be a leader in our team. If they have that, then I would just want to highlight that to them and raise that conversation with them. There's been occasions where I've, I guess the, the way I've approached it is to ask the person about about a situation, to yeah. say, hey, yeah. it's come to my attention that a certain situation has happened. 
is that the case? And, and they say yes or no. Sometimes they lie, sometimes sure, they tell the truth, sure, but yeah. generally they would tell the truth. And, right. and then I'd ask them about what, well, how do they see that situation? Yeah. Um, and I guess try to go on the journey with, with the person in that. Yeah. And sometimes that means many, many meetings with them, not just sure. the one. And, and I know that, that if I'm going to start the conversation, I'm going to have to finish committing it. committing to a journey here, uh-huh. right? Right, yeah, um, right. But, but that's part of it. Yeah, it is. Um, it's so easy as leaders of particularly worship teams, you know, to, to just take someone off the team or stop rostering them. And that almost defeats the purpose of being team and of, right. of being church because, right. because people begin to know that, uh, that, that the congregation is loved, but as soon as you become, you know, you get on the team, if you do something wrong or if you, you step out of line, then you get kicked out and therefore you're not loved. And that's, that's sort of counterintuitive. I think the more you're involved, the more we need to embrace and love and the more we need to commit and go on the journey. And having said that, we're not always perfect and I don't always yeah, do sure. it well, right. but, yeah. but the intent is there. Yeah, right. Today's episode is brought to you by our Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference. And we are so excited about the conference, which is happening again in November this year. And at the moment, there's a special price for you, which ends on May 27th. So check it out at hillsong.com forward slash WCC. I'm Rich Langton, and this is my Fantastic Four. The last book I read or am reading is Developing the Leaders Around You by John Maxwell. And it's one that I've read before many years ago, but it's one that I'm just needing to come back to again, I think. I think my favourite way to recharge is to be at home with probably just with the family or even just alone. Sometimes I say to Cass that um, my love language is time by myself. So so probably it'd be just a little bit of time at the farm by myself. One person I'd like to have coffee with would be Eugene Peterson. If I didn't have to sleep, I would probably end up wasting the time. <laughs> I'd probably watch Netflix or, or something like that. Um, but a good answer would be, you know, obviously learn something or read the Bible or pray. <laughs> okay, so we've spoken about culture and what it, what it should look like. If it doesn't look like what it wanted to, then what you do and, <laughs> yeah. and all the rest of it. So now you've got a team that's, you know, functioning. They've got responsibilities and everything. Sorry, I th- sorry, sorry, sorry. We should talk about one other thing too then. Go, yeah, go, go, go. Yes. <laughs> I shouldn't interrupt you. No, but no, no, definitely. When you started talking about culture again and highlighting that, I thought... Um, it's good to talk about the fact that we as a creative team, we're following the culture of, of our senior leadership and of the, the sort yes. of culture that they're yeah. wanting to create. Right. And so as a team, we're not trying to create our own culture or our own little subgroup. Yeah. We're just trying to outwork what Pastor Brian and Bobby and in Australia, Joel and Jules yeah. um, are after and, and really looking for. Yeah, um, that's great. And that's a, that's a real... I think for a lot of uh, churches, that's a that's a deal. That's, yeah, um, right. Because sometimes, uh, as creative leaders and worship leaders, we don't necessarily, you know, we have our own vision, maybe, yeah. and we want to outwork that rather than submitting to the leadership, uh, the leadership's culture. Yeah, and it's important, I think, to be in line with obviously with your leadership's culture and doing outworking what they have in mind rather than what we have in mind. Okay, then. So then, if we're saying that, because that 
that speaks to unity if i'm here if i'm hearing it you uh-huh. know in some ways it's sure. unity yep. then in terms of aligning whatever efforts we do as a creative team to that yep. how much does unity account for you know for the things that we value in, in for culture what is mm. where where's unity's i guess role within the culture of, of a healthy team yeah i think it's 100% central right and and it and it doesn't come easy because there's always little things that someone won't agree with. Sure. You know, there's the, with the direction that, that leadership want or within our team, there's, there'll be things that I say or, or the cast says or, you know, the direction we want to head in. And in that, someone, hmm, there's only a certain amount of places for people, if that sure, makes sense. Right. So, okay. so if we go in a certain direction, let's say it's a particular item for Mother's Day, um, if we choose a song and dance item, then that's that's excluding certain people for that particular item. And that sure. can create disunity if you right. allow it or if the people allow it. Or it can be the most uniting thing ever because all of a sudden by choosing that direction for that particular item, uh, people who wouldn't normally have an opportunity get an opportunity and those right. who aren't particularly involved right. get to celebrate right. those people in that instance. Yeah. And, and as you say, celebration, I think, and celebrating... Celebration is important yeah. and being sort of happy for other people's opportunity is super important. Yeah. And that I think all of that then creates unity. Yeah. But you have to fight for it as well. You have to right. really... There's no passive approach to it, is there? No. <laughs> and you have to right. choose unity. You have to choose to submit to to the, the vision of leadership and, and choose to, um, for the bigger picture, sometimes to not, not get to play your part. Um, sometimes to be second fiddle, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that's that's where the rubber hits the road. That's the hard part. Yes, it is. Um, but I think even going back to our conversation about my journey, yeah, I've realised that Cass's role and mine are quite different based on our personalities, based on our gifting and our skill set. And that's a good thing. That actually is. It could drive us apart because yeah. we're so different in lots of ways. But but. Thankfully, God's allowing it to use, um, allowing it to bring us together, and the differences um, in personality and style and gifting is actually enhancing what we're able to do because yeah. it's creating, um, or because of the unity in that. Exactly right. Um, and and because of what we can now bring, yes. instead of just bringing one flavor, we can bring the two flavors. Okay, that leads me to my next, I guess, question for you is that I the other thing I know about you is I know you are very good at formulating processes and structures and things that help us actually function well mm-hmm. and actually be able to channel the creativity we have within our team into productive outcomes. Right. Talk to me about then what it looks like to in a team that's this diverse with so many offerings of creativity available, you know, from, mm. from so many people. How do you take that, channel that in a, in a way that actually is productive and keeps us pointed, like you were saying before, to the vision, to a greater vision? Uh, I think to step back a little bit, we've gone on this journey from being a worship team to being a creative team in a real way. We, we, I guess we've been a called a creative team for many for some years, but in reality that was just music or that was the, the, the worship team, the platform right. team. But nowadays we, we've got singers and dancers and actors and painters and all, the list goes on, photographers yes. and yeah. writers and yeah. yada, yada. And in doing that, the reason we've, we've gone that way is because there's so many gifts 
that people have that could contribute if there were, were a place. And so Cass's heart, I think, really is to include as many people as possible. Yeah. And and I love that. I'm on board with that too. But in uh, having that heart, you actually have to create space for people yes. uh, or place for people to contribute and, and create ways for them to contribute. So so it's sort of this this building blocks of we have a heart for people that we want them to be involved, therefore we get more more people around, therefore we've got to make more opportunities for them to be involved and they, one thing leads to another and, and therefore you have to have systems and processes to make sure that people are involved. And, and um, so in that I guess um, I, I shy away a little bit because I get can be could be known as the systems guy. Yeah, right, right. And I really, I'm not about systems. I'm more about, I guess, making things functional and helping people to to actually be able to contribute. Yeah, Because um, right. I see the see a the systems as helping to pastorally care for our people. Right. Um, a great example of that is when we roster people. If we don't have a great rostering system that actually sort of does it fairly and does it well, then you either roster people too much or not enough, and then right. they're they're either hurt that they're you know they're either hurt that they're not being used or they're um, overused and they're, they're burnt out <laughs> and they're hurt that way. So yeah. so you've got to have a good system for that, and yeah. and if you do, the system becomes invisible and it just helps people. Um, yeah. So in that, I think across the board. Um, I've noticed that that over and over, I just can see areas where we can improve the way we do things in order to get a better outcome, which is really a better outcome for the people yeah. and or for communicating the gospel. So then, how then do you, when when determining processes and structures and the in the systems and all that kind of stuff, how do you make sure that the systems aren't just serving the people who are systems minded, yeah. and they actually are serving, to, like you said to help the people who do have these creative gifts they're bringing to our team. Yeah. Because I know we can, uh, as two, three or four systems-minded people, we can sit and talk about systems all day and achieve everything that we think we need mm-hmm. to achieve because it ticks our boxes. Yeah. But then take that outcome and place it into a real creative team. Mm. It may not give us the result we want, even yep. though the four people who are systems-minded are all about it. Yes, yeah, so I love it. So where is the balance and where do we? how do we make sure this actually works with the team? I think I've learned and am learning to not even talk about the systems. Right. So so we as you know, oh, Mush, we, yeah, okay. I know we, we don't right. use the word system anymore. Yes, we, we don't. We use yeah. the word flow. <laughs> um because I think in that it, it just the language is really important because yes. it it trips people up. Yeah. If you say we need to have a system and a process, then yeah. for some people, particularly in the creative arena, that that is like you know It's like handcuffs. Yeah, they, they're just thinking, well, we can't be creative anymore because you've systematized me and yeah. you've boxed me in. Yeah, right. And in reality, I guess what I'm talking about or, or thinking through is just um, the stepping stones, if you like, yeah. to getting to where we need to be. Yeah. So for us, we have so much going on all the time. Yeah. And I think that um, what we sometimes inadvertently do is we don't leave enough time to be creative. Yeah. Um, and so the practicalities sort of stifle the creativity um, right. as in everything's last minute. So you choose the idea that you have in the minute rather than having, uh, if you've got a better process for, for example, project management and planning, yeah. then you can, you know that you can have 
um, three months to come up with one idea yeah. if you're three months in advance, yeah. if that makes sense, or if yeah. you're early enough thinking about the idea. Yeah. Whereas if you leave mm-hmm. the thinking of the idea till the last minute, then the practicalities of having to outwork the idea stifle the creativity. Right. So it's it's really just about, in my thinking at least, it's about valuing the creativity, valuing the idea, valuing that side of it enough that we make time for it and the people who are process-orientated serving the people who are um, less um, (laughs) process-oriented and and instead of wanting to be in the forefront and, hey, look at my process, look at my planning, just just coming alongside and helping to navigate the, the timelines and the processes, if you want to put it that way, with the people that need to be more creative. Yeah. Okay, as we look to finish up and kind of, I want to know what, you've, you've mentioned the complementary nature of you and Cass and how you lead mm-hmm. together. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about how, you know, how you guys work together, what it looks like. Talk to us about home. Talk to us about <laughs> what that looks like. In reality, so when we, I'll, I'll be brief, but when we, uh, when we first got married, I was going to be the pastor. And I said to Cass, you need to be the pastor's wife. And she was at that time working in business. Right. And so she said to me, I'll, I'm not going to be doing anything unless God speaks to me about it and <laughs> is quite clear. So that was interesting, bit of a bit of a deal. But sort of 20-something years on, we work alongside each other and I am a pastor and she is, a, she is my pastor's wife, but she's also a pastor in her own right. right. And um, I guess I look at that Ephesians, the verses in Ephesians that talk about me serving my wife and her loving me and, and you know, submitting to me or, you know, however, right. you, whichever translation you, you want take, to take yeah. there. But, but the complementary nature of, of marriage there where there's a husband who will do anything, lay his life down for his wife and, and a wife who will pretty much do the same for her husband. Right. And I, I think we're getting to a place where that's that's more of a reality. Right. Whereas I think early on I was wanting to have my own, you know, I was wanting to be the head of the household and then be their right. man and the, and the leader. And and while all those things are, are, can be good, yeah. um, I do want to leave my home and, and yeah. love my family and all of that. I do also realize that that my role in our relationship is to lay my life down for my for my wife, yeah, wow. and um, it's taken me a long time to to I guess grapple with that side of um, marriage and of yeah. life, yeah. and the reality of what that looks like. Yeah. You know, for us, that means that sometimes Cass is traveling and I'm at home. Yeah. I would never have imagined that for my life. Right. Now, in a good headspace and a good and a good understanding, I think I I love it, and I'm blessed to be able to spend that time alone. You know, looking after my kids while yeah. my wife is away. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. in the wrong headspace and the wrong time, that those things can really trip you up, mm. and they can be. They can be divisive, but for us, fortunately, by the grace of God, we've yeah. we've battled through learning how to make that work, yeah. and and I think for me, um, I, I should speak for myself, learning to humble myself, and submit myself to the will of God, and to giving myself more to Him means submitting my life, laying down my life for whatever serves her best, um, and that outworks itself at home, and it outworks itself uh, at work and at church as well. Um, that's not always easy, but there's a blessing in it. You know, always when you do, when you read the scriptures and you see the, see the way it says to do something and then you follow that way, there's, there's blessing in that. There's, you know, there's a good that comes out of that. So I'm blessed to be able to live that and, and see that and. You know, Cass is awesome. She makes it easy, but, but I'm blessed to be able to live, live that.
Rich, thank you. I get to work alongside you, you know, but, but for me to sit here across, you know, the microphones from you and have this conversation <laughs> has been very, very enlightening. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Look forward to doing this again. Hey, well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with myself and with Mush. He's a great interviewer. I really enjoyed sitting with him and I guess being interrogated with the hard questions, but real questions around real issues and the answers that I gave, um, I guess they're, they're from the heart. And you as a listener, I hope that uh, you connected with some of the things I said and they were really helpful. And I'd love to hear from you and, you know, interact with you on some of that stuff. So if you want to ask questions or interact with me about any of the things I said or about the podcast in general, you can do that by going to our Worship and Creative Conference Instagram, which is at WCC. Or you can, of course, write to me at Rich Langton on my Instagram. Love to hear from you and interact with you about those things and about the podcast, perhaps even about things you'd like to hear on the podcast. We've got a great season lined up, but we always, we want to serve you well. So if you'd like to let us know what you'd like to hear or the topics you'd like us to cover, let us know. Can't wait to hear from you. Well, next up, we have the Creative Compass, which I mentioned earlier, but let me explain what that is. For us, of of late, we've been discussing some of the core values in our creative team. Obviously, as a team, we follow our church's vision statement. We only have one vision, but within that, we have some core values that make us the creative team. And what we realized was that we have some of these values that we say are important, but the outworking of them has slipped a little bit. And, and in some instances, some of the things we say we value, we don't value anymore and we perhaps shouldn't. But there's new things that we should value. So we've been discussing what our core values are and really um, trying to work out what direction we should be heading in. We, we haven't arrived in, in some of these areas as yet, but, but we need a direction. It's more of a compass than a rule book or a, you know, a set of guidelines. It's a compass with compass points that we want to be heading in. You'll notice as we are discussing these values that we're talking a lot about our creative team, our worship and creative team here in Sydney, Australia. But for you, it might be that you work individually or you work in a creative team uh, that's not in a, in a church environment. And that's great. That's fine. You can still apply these things to you because that the reality is we live our values no matter what. And so we're better to be intentional about the things that we value rather than allowing our values to be dictated by the circumstances we find ourselves in. So as you listen, I would encourage you to think through whether you value similar sorts of things or to re-establish your own core values and work out how you can live them in your environment or your ministry. So now let's jump into the creative compass. This first one is a discussion with Mush, who interviewed me earlier on this episode. It's myself and Annie Garrett, who's one of our great worship leaders and senior leaders in our creative team. So one of the things that obviously we would we would want to be about as a creative team is Christ, sure, right? Sure. Yeah. But it, sometimes the things that, that go without saying therefore go without saying. Um, and so obviously Christ would want to be central to a creative team in a church team. But how do we go about keeping Jesus central to it? Mush, for you in the, in the production area, how do you go about keeping Jesus central? I think 
keeping an eye on, I guess, the conversations that happen, not necessarily because you want to gauge where people are at, but I think sometimes the absence or the presence of some conversations is a good you know, barometer. What's an example of that? Where would you see that happening? Well, I mean, like, for example, like literally, literally conversations about faith and conversations about, about my walk with God and about worship and the things that are actually fundamental to our walk. Mm. If those conversations over time get more and more difficult to have because right. they've crowded with the activity of doing church, that in itself is a barometer. Uh-huh. Doesn't tell you the full story, yeah, but you I can at least, right. as a leader, you kind of you see trends and you go, okay, maybe it's worth calibrating back to a bit of a true north. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I yeah. think that um, it's so easy to get caught up in just getting, for example, Sundays done or mm. getting the yeah. task at hand exactly. done, yeah. and then you, you forget that people have real lives outside of whatever the task is that we're doing with them. Correct. And yeah. if we're not intentional about perhaps asking them about their walk with Jesus or yeah. or like you say, those if those conversations aren't happening, yeah. then um, I guess it can be so easy for any of us to be just doing a task yeah. and become sort of a religious obligation almost. Yeah. So then, Annie, with you, I guess you're, you would be pastorally involved with people. Mm-hmm. How do you have those conversations without seeming like you're asking the obvious? How do you ask someone how their walk with Jesus is going? I probably don't. I mean, there's nothing wrong with phrasing it that way, mm-hmm. but I usually more start with like, how are you going? What's, I don't know, what's been challenging lately or what's going great? And just let it be a kind of natural mm. conversation. And I right. think in that, I think if someone asks, there's nothing wrong with saying that, but if someone were to say, how are you going with Jesus? I might feel like I need to give a report on how right. I'm and going with it. You know, <laughs> the answer you meant yeah, to Yeah, exactly. even and though that, that's the, a yeah, normal question to exactly ask. Exactly right. But I think I think even the, sometimes the environment you cultivate, because for example, if you're gonna try and have that conversation during soundcheck or rehearsal on a Sunday, <laughs> right. there's a very different level of response you would get. Like if you or you haven't actually deliberately crafted out an environment that actually allows for that conversation to happen. Mm-hmm. So rather, whilst there's nothing wrong in asking you during rehearsal and soundcheck if it's there, I think maybe a step further is that for the for the person for the leader on the team. Mm-hmm if you're constantly looking for environments that allow for that conversation, Mm. because that's the kind of conversation you want to have the time to be able to respond to Mm. and actually ask the second and third question. Mm -hmm. Chances are it's probably not going to happen on a Sunday when there's services to to pull off and there's rehearsals and there's everything else. So, But I think the more that we, like, it's just on our lips and it's just like our conversation and why we're doing what we're doing and like, you know, we do services every single weekend. And so I think always talking about why we're doing it and, like that's why we always gather and pray. And yeah, I just think putting that before people, and if um, just talking about our relationship with Jesus is normal, then it just becomes normal to everyone else. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's you're right. exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. And then there's there's the I guess the responsibility of it mm. as well. I guess for me, I feel like part of our role as pastors of the team is to pastor the team in their relationship with Christ, yeah. and not just in their gifting or in their use of, of you know, of their outworking of their yeah. gifting on a Sunday. So mm-hmm. um, things like team nights and you mentioned like gathering prayer meetings and, and the like become um, those key points where we can, I guess, exemplify what it is to relate to Jesus but also then be talking about it and mm-hmm. yeah, and encouraging people in their walk with, yeah. with Christ. People, I guess our team, they want to, they want to love Jesus and they want to, to be in relationship with him. Sometimes they don't know what that looks like or how yeah. to do that though. Mm. And and I think it's that's an interesting thing um, 
like you said, Mush, if we don't create opportunity for those conversations with people one-on-one or yeah. when it's not about getting something else done, yeah. then they don't happen. And then then people can feel like they've got to live up to a certain expectation or if they, maybe they don't know how to have a quiet time or read the, the yeah. Bible or pray themselves and, and yet unless we're intentional about creating those opportunities for the conversation around how to do it, exactly, then right. they, they just put on an act and, and all of us can, can do that. Yeah. Um, so then how do we do that? How do you have enough relationship with people to be able to have real conversations? You st- I think we, you start with common ground. In other words, like if I was to have a conversation with one of my team who is maybe a dad or a husband, I guess the conversation about family and kids and everything else is probably a really common is, is a really is a good starting point to actually get an inroad into where somebody's at mm. you know because it could be as simple as hey how you know how did how the kids are doing oh one of them's a bit sick but we're doing okay hey or, or somebody started school this year right and how how's how they're doing at school this year right. like those initial conversations or those first questions that actually just open the door to somebody's world because if somebody then responds and says a, a child is sick for example and well the second and third question after that is then what kind of, in a sense, opens the door mm-hmm. further to those actual real conversations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you can, that, that could go in a thousand different directions mm-hmm. from that point. But I think those questions that actually just ask or give you a reference point of the, the life behind the service mm-hmm. that we see here, yeah. that's the door opener, mm-hmm. so to speak. And yeah. I think that's kind of maybe as, as leaders what we need to get good at, you know, finding. Yeah, So very good. All right, so real quick, what's one thing that yeah. people listening or for our team, yeah. what's one thing like this week that we could do to help disciple our creative teams? I just think noticing is huge. So even from what Mush just said, like that can be a doorway to a conversation and it's a great opportunity. But then a week later checking in going, how are your kids? How's this week? Mm. I actually think you just keep building on that initial foundation Mm -hmm. and that's how a relationship just grows. And then suddenly that person goes, oh, you notice when I'm there or not there. Oh, you remember my family. And it's amazing how just noticing. And so- I think for me, remembering and noticing who's been around, who's not been around, what's been happening in people's world creates a lot of relationship mm. to then speak into different situations, which, which can be discipling and all of that. Yeah. yeah. And you, Mush? Literally just monitor how much of how much your team is hearing from you regarding outside of you expecting something back from them. In other words, the correspondence you have with your team, if you tally that up between, <laughs> you know, service in terms of rosters, rehearsals, call times, like run sheets, whatever, yeah. and how much is actually just conversation about the rest of life, mm-hmm. generally you'll find a fairly severe imbalance. Yeah. So as a leader, if you can monitor how much of your correspondence, how much of your phone calls, text messages, emails, and everything else is weighted towards the service that somebody gives back to the team, mm-hmm. as opposed to how much of that conversation is weighted towards who they are, the person, yeah. where the family is at, where their marriage is at, where they are as a person. Like mm-hmm. that will give you a pretty good barometer of, you know, like if somebody looks at their phone when you call them, what are they thinking? Yes. Put yourself in their shoes. Yeah, when they right. see your number come up on your phone, are they expecting a conversation about rehearsals and rosters and and whatever else? Or is it 50-50? Yeah. It could be about that or it could be about just checking in with my kid who was sick last week and you yeah. want to find, like yeah, that yeah. is a pretty good indication to kind of see where yeah. things are at. I think that's a really good take yeah. home to yeah. be thinking about, um, I guess, what our team's think when we call them what are they what's that response when when they see your name come up on their phone what are they thinking yeah. is it just do they, they want something from me or is it that this person is actually genuinely caring because i guess my response to that same question would be care um yeah. do we care 
mm. um, which is really what you're saying too, Annie. But does my team care? And I, I think that's the take home that I would want to take is when it comes to my um, my relationship with Jesus, does my oversight care? Do that? Do they actually? Um, do they want me to grow in my relationship with Christ, or do mm. they just want something from me? So as we go this week, I guess that's what what we'll be thinking about. It's worth taking away. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Well, that's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud. And I'd encourage you to do that so you can be a part of the journey with us. We'd love to hear from you too. So if you want to give us your comments, do that on our Instagram. It's at HillsongWCC. And we'll see you next time.